0: Thanks Mark. Well good morning again. My name is Daniel. If you came in um, during the service, I'm one of the pastors and uh, really, really glad you're here. Uh, if this is the first time or you've been coming, uh, we are in the middle of a series in the Ten Commandments that we started in January. And I've mentioned multiple metaphors and images uh, that we can use to describe the Ten Commandments throughout the series. I've said that they are a pathway of freedom, a pathway to true human flourishing I've uh, said so that they are a mirror, uh, that God uses them to uh, reveal our sin and our need for Jesus, who was the perfect law keeper. Uh, and my, our hope and prayer in the series is that, that we're seeing that God's law is not purely restrictive. They're not, it's not God's nose to us, but rather it's prescriptive for a full and abundant life, that they are God's yes for a blessed life. Uh, last week, we looked at the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. This week we're going to look at the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. The Ten Commandments, they could be broken down into what scholars call the two tables of the law. Table number one is commandments one through four. No God before me, no graven image. Do not take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Commandments one through four all deal with our relationship to God, honoring God, worshiping God, loving him. Table number two, commandments five through ten. And they all deal with our relationship to our neighbors, honoring and loving neighbor. Now Again, the order is important. Love for neighbor flows from a love received from God and a love given to God. That's how Jesus in the New Testament sums up the law, the, the law of God could be summed up in these two commands. Love God, love your neighbor. Jesus is saying table number one, love God. Table number two, love your neighbor. Now, the first commandment of table number two is the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. I'll say again, order is important. For how to treat one another, how to love neighbor, starts at and in our home. So I'm going to read one verse, Exodus 20, verse 12. This is God's word to us, and if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. It's is our, our custom. This is God's word to us this morning. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Isaiah 40 tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would come now and speak to us, that you would illumine our minds. If there are barriers and distractions, you would remove them. Lord, that you would plow the ground of our hearts. If there's hardness of heart, that you would do what only you can do, which is soften and prepare us so that the word of God could be planted deep within so that we might bear fruit, that our lives might be different, that we might be changed. Lord, we need your spirit to speak spirits so that we could have that prayer answered may my words fall to the ground quickly may your words last forever I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you our Lord our rock and our Jesus name we pray Amen. amen you can have a seat well I was born in the late 70s and people who grew up in the 60s could recount stories about what made it a decade of anti-establishment. Because it was a decade of anti-business, anti-military, anti-school. Most significantly, it was a decade of anti-family. It was a decade of breaking free, personal liberation, individual freedom. And the disruption of institutions and The rebellion against authority in general has caused ripple effects into our current day. Michael Horton, he wrote this, that North America in general is known around the world as an optimistic, fast-paced, aggressive, and full of ambitious people. Now, this has been a strength and a weakness because it has given us the ability as a nation to create wealth, but at the same time, we have downplayed the wealth of our own people, men and women and children who have become for many nothing more than consumers and producers. I think this reality shows itself in how we treat, how we honor our family, our elders, unto our authority. I think we often are highly individualistic, spoiled children, self centered. We've become a nation that does not honor our father and our mother. And if we cannot honor and love those who are closest to us, our family, then there is no way that we're going to be able to honor and love all of our other neighbors that God calls us to love in Commandments 6 through 10. Now, I realize that the relationship of child to parent, it's one of the most significant relationships in a person's life. We are shaped and we become and we grow in the context of our relationship with our father and our mother. And in our personal stories There can be a lot of beauty in that relationship, and there can be a lot of tragedy, but still learning to honor and honoring our parents is an important command, and it can and it will have great impact on how we honor other neighbors, specifically other authorities. Pastor Skip Ryan said this, that if God we pleased to change the values, the texture, and fabric of our culture. He could do it in one generation of parents and children who heeded the fifth commandment. So I want us to look at five things, five questions this morning in regards to the fifth commandment. What, who, when, why, and how? What, who, when, why, and how? Let's look first at what is commanded in this fifth commandment honor your father and your mother honor is the command the hebrew word for honor is the word kavod and it literally means to make heavy to to be weighty so to honor father and mother is to treat them as weighty significant in one's life it does not command affection though that could be appropriate it does not command trust. There may be good reasons at times not to trust your father and your mother. It does not command admiration. You may, be wanna, you, you may want to be very different than your father and mother. It does not command perfect obedience. There may be times to not listen and obey. Every person's relationship to their father and mother is different. Some of you have really good parents. Some of you have bad parents. Some of us have deep affection, others have no affection. But what this command does require is honor. No matter who you are and who they are and what circumstance you find yourself in, honor your father and your mother is a command. Well, let's look secondly at who. Who's involved in this command? Uh, In other words, who is our father and our mother? Uh, the main focus, obviously, is our biological father and mother, uh, and I'm going to stick to that. that but we, we treat as significant, and we give weight, as we honor our biological father and mother, within our home. But the home is the learning ground and lays the moral formation for leading us how to treat as significant and give weight to other authorities in our lives. Many commentators, old and current, Hold to the belief that this command includes all types of mothers and fathers. In other words, all types of authorities. And we can look at Scripture and see that. Places like Romans chapter 13, uh, that God calls Christians to honor those in governmental authority. We can look at places like Ephesians 6, where we are to honor those who, are, who we are in employment with. Uh, Ephesians 6 uses the word slaves uh, that's not talking about racial slavery I think a better translation uh, is kind of economic, employee employer, so we are to honor our employer uh, within our work uh, there are what Puritans called the ancients uh, those are the, they use this description to describe the older people in society who are to be held up with honor, and I believe America used to do this, but I think again since the 60's it's declined and many other cultures and many other uh, countries particularly teach America how to give honor to those who are elders. I lived in China for two years, been at least 12 times, and I'm always amazed and taught and admire how the Chinese honor their elders. Uh, you can look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, that, that we are as Christians to honor those who are in spiritual authority. Those who are in spiritual authority are worthy of double honor. I like that one. I'm just kidding. Um, Right? There's something to that. But here's the point. God intends the family to be our first school, our first government, and our first church. And if we do not respect and honor authority at home, we will not respect it anywhere. So let's look third at when. When should we obey this command? I've got to start by noting that there are times to not do what this command is saying or it would feel like or appear like we're not doing what this command is saying because this command is not uh, declaring perfect obedience, right? Remember I said that. There are times when we should disobey the government. Anytime government demands obedience to a law that is outside the laws of God, that is not disobeying the fifth commandment. It is rather upholding table number one of the law, which is loving God first and foremost. This is what theologians call civil disobedience. It's what led the church to be active and engaged and march during the civil rights that that was right during that time. And it is Uh, It's what has led many around the world to hold fast to Jesus when it is unlawful to be a Christian. and They risked their very life because we are to hold first to Jesus and to God's call and law in our life before others. And in the same vein, there will be times when we might disobey our parents. As I said, there are some bad parents. Some of you have had bad parents. And when a parent abuses their authority and they use their power to harm a child, disobedience is required, and it is not breaking the fifth commandment. Or an employer wants you to do something that is contrary to God and God's law, we are to disobey. And I will say the same thing about spiritual authorities who try to get you to do something that is contrary to God and God's laws, you are to disobey. If you are experiencing Or you have experienced abuse at the hands of anyone in authority over you. I'm really sorry. I am sorry. And I want to say please share it. If you're holding it and you've never shared it, please share it with someone. Don't be isolated and feel ashamed. Speak up and share it with someone. Because this command is not a blank check for those in authority to abuse anyone. It is a call for people to follow God him and trust him in his ways and so let me let me come back to the question of when when I, I said when not but when should we give weight when should we give honor to our father and mother for a lifetime this command does not expire we do not obey this command until we are 18 years old and then we no longer obey it this command is for little children God wants young boys and girls to speak res- respectfully to their parents. God wants parents to teach their children right and wrong. This command is for teenagers. I can remember being a teenager and thinking, man, my parents are so out of touch with reality. If my parents just understood, I, I saw a magazine, a, a teenage magazine, and the title of the teenage magazine said, Hate parents? Who doesn't? <laughs> that, I'm sorry, is not honoring. Uh, to your father and your mother it means listening to parents it means not hiding things from them this command is for young adults i think around the age of 20 is when children begin to realize that parents really are a gift from god i I came across this quote from mark twain this week so mark twain wrote he said when i was a boy of 14 my father was so ignorant i could hardly stand to have the old man around but when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> that is true. And as young adults, there are major decisions to make. Career decision, education, sometimes marriage. And children honoring their father and their mother is to seek counsel. Now decisions are theirs to make, yours to make, but it's wise to get whatever help we can and to bless our parents by listening to what they have to offer. I'll also say that if if you are married, counsel from parents is good, but you always come back to your wife and to your husband, and you make the decision together what is best for you and what you feel like God is leading you to do. Your allegiance is to your spouse first. It takes precedent over your parent. Another aside, what if parents' counsel doesn't seem to be putting Christ and God's kingdom first? As Christians, we should not allow honoring parents to get in the way of following Jesus. The honor we owe parents never comes at the expense of the honor we owe God and the call he's placed on our lives. This command is also for those of us who are grown up, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whose parents are still alive, and we have the call to care for our parents to the very end of their life. Today in our country, I think many children are abandoning their parents for the sake of their own comfort. We are to honor, make sure physical, emotional, spiritual care is provided. Let's look next at why. Why obey? That was when. Why? There's an old Grimm's fairy tale that I came across this week, and it goes like this. Once there was an old man, and his eyes blinked and his hands trembled. When he ate, He clattered the silverware distressingly, missed his mouth with the spoon as often as not, and dribbled a bit of food on the tablecloth. Now he lived with his married uh, son, having nowhere else to live. His son's wife didn't like the arrangement. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently, but firmly by the arm, led him to the corner of the kitchen. There they set him on a stool, gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. And from then on, he always ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day, his hands trembled rather more than usual, and the earthen bowl fell, and it broke. If you're a pig, said the daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough, and he got his meals in that. These people had a four-year-old son of whom they found very fond. And one evening, the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood, and they asked what he was doing. I'm making a trough, he said, smiling for approval, to feed you and Mama out of when I get big. (laughs) The man and his wife looked at each other for a while, and he didn't say anything, and then they, they cried a little bit. And then they went to the corner, and they took the old man by the arm and led him back to the table. And they sat him in a comfortable chair, gave him his food on a plate, and from then on, nobody ever scolded when he clattered or spilled or broke things. That's a good story for many reasons. One, it strikes appropriate fear and how we might be treated in our golden years. But I also think it shows how we treat the home will have greater and future implications. Let me expound on what I mean by future implications and greater implications. We've got to remember who's receiving these commandments. We've said this every week. Context for the receiving of the Ten Commandments is important. The, the Israelites were ex-slaves, they had been in bondage for hundreds of years, and God had liberated them from slavery, and he gave them a promise that he would lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey, that they were going to inherit the promised land. Now, this command: honor your father and mother. It's what the Apostle Paul calls in Ephesians the first command with a promise. Did you did you pick up on the tail end of verse 12? It's one of the first commands that were given, a reason to obey this command, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. That's why you are to obey, honor your father and your mother. Now, that's not saying that you're going to grow and old, that you'll be really, really old in the land. The Hebrew phrase here, it, it means for the fullness of God's blessing, for abundant life, for a flourishing life. What God is commanding here is honor which starts in the home and then it works its way out into society. And God is saying the flourishing of society is tied to how well we honor our father and our mother. There's a general consensus among most people today that uh, there's a growing amount of social disorder. There's a rise in crime, less civility, less honesty, less integrity at times. And On one hand, I've heard people say, ah, what's wrong is an unjust social system, unjust social conditions. And on the other hand, I've heard people say, ah, it's just a breakdown of the family. And Christians who hear this debate know that neither side is completely right. Because the Bible says the answer to social disorder is both. Heard one, one person say that the Bible says, if the powerful oppress the powerless, you will not have a peaceful society. And the Bible also says that it is in the family that you'll learn that you're loved and therefore you learn self-respect. You also learn inside the family to submit your personal needs to the needs of the whole. And so you learn how to be concerned about a whole community and not just yourself. It means if the family breaks down, society breaks down. So why obey this command? Because this is the first command with the promise that if we obey it, society will flourish. Skip Ryan again said, if God were pleased to change the values, the texture, and the fabric of our culture, he could do it in one generation of parents and children who heeded the fifth commandment. Let's look last at how we might obey this commandment. How? I'll give you three things. First, treat your parents seriously. Treat your parents seriously. This word honor, kavod, weighty. Give your parents weight. Treat them as significant. I think in this means allow your parents to be human beings as you are, which means they are dynamic people who change. Allow for for God to be growing and changing, the possibility that God might be growing and changing your parents. Try to be sympathetic to what your parents have faced in life. Learn their story. If you learn their story, it will lead to more compassion for them. And undertaking them as serious, I think, does look like providing for your parents. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, as the time comes. Did you know that half of the population over the age of 45 think that their children will not take care of them in old age? Newsweek wrote an article years ago about nursing homes and hospitals entitled the article dumping grounds for granny there will come a time when the tables turn and we need to provide for our parents like they did for us as children so take care of your parents and it might start with just a simple phone call today to say hello and check in with them here's the second way how we might obey forgive your parents I know everybody in here has parental scars we all have parents that made mistakes with us as their children, and some of your parents inflicted deep, deep scars. So how can you forgive? I take this from a good friend of mine, and I think this can be applied in forgiveness, to forgiveness in general, but here's the first way to, to forgive. Name the debt. Name it, and be specific as possible. Don't just say, "Hey, hey, I felt like You loved my brother more than you loved me, but be specific. Hey, I felt like when you throw my brother or your son a big grand birthday party and then you threw me this little party, it felt like you loved him more. Now, I'll say when you do this, I'd encourage you to do it (coughs) face-to-face. Excuse me. This is um, something better done face-to-face, and I will also say this. For some of you, this isn't possible because your parent may be dead or your parent may be absent. And for some of you, I would tell you, it's not wise to do it face-to-face because it may be dangerous and it could lead to more harm inflicted in your life. But I would still encourage you to be specific and to name the debt. <coughs> not just name it, but release the debt. Release it. <coughs> i me get these coughs out, so... Because this releasing the debt is (laughs) important. I'm going to cough my way through releasing the debt. You need to not just name it, but you need to release it. Because if you do not release the debt, you will be the walking wounded in all of your other relationships. The only way to break the cycle of sin inflicted upon you by your parents is to forgive them. And if you don't forgive your parents, they are still controlling you. Howard Hendricks humorously put it this way most of us are walking around with our umbilical cords hanging out, looking for somewhere to just plug them in. <laughs> Marriages, friendships, other relationships then become maimed by the emotional wounds that we've never resolved in relationship to our parents. A lot of marital discord and other relational discord has nothing to do with your spouse or the other person. It has everything to do with your relationship to your parents. Here's the last thing I'd encourage you on how to obey this commandment is to make sure you are a child of your heavenly father. Make sure you are a child of your heavenly father. No one here is the perfect child and no one here is the perfect parent. The only perfect parent is our heavenly Father, whose love and strength and compassion and provision never fails. And the only perfect child is Jesus. Amen. Jesus honored his parents. Luke 2 verse 51 says that Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph that came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. In John chapter 19 verses 26 to 27, Jesus is on the cross And he sees his disciple whom he loves, John, and his mother, Mary. And Jesus says, woman, your son. John, behold your mother. He provides for his earthly mother as he hangs on the cross. And from the manger to the cross, there was not a moment that Jesus did not honor his Father in heaven. He did the will of his Father in heaven perfectly. And everyone who trusts in Christ is ushered into a relationship with the heavenly father. Everyone who trusts Jesus is adopted as a daughter and a son into the family of God. Jesus is the perfect savior because he was the perfect child. He obeyed this command perfectly. So when we trust him, the father looks at us with the same delight he has over his son, Jesus. And when we experience that delight, when we are secured in that love, we will honor those in authority, knowing God's ways are good and better than ours. But honoring and loving our neighbors will not happen if we're not first honoring and loving our parents. As we trust our Father in heaven as his child, we can start by loving and honoring those within our home. And it will lead to loving and honoring those in the world. And by this, we will live long in the land. The flourishing of our society will happen, and God will be glorified. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would take your word, plant it deep, and bear fruit. Help us to see Jesus, the perfect child, to see you, God, the the perfect loving Father, And may we be rooted and established in that love to know that we are in a family, that we're brought in, adopted into a family that that has a love that is so high and deep and wide that we can't really even imagine it, will never let us go. And as we experience that love as a daughter and as a son because of Christ, would you help us to love and honor within our home, within our society, so that you are glorified and so that your purposes prevail. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.